The information presented in this podcast is not intended for the treatment or prevention of disease or any medical condition, nor is a substitute for medical advice. The information contained here in this podcast reflects only the opinion of the author and presenter and is in no way considered required practice. Welcome to Motivation and Muscle, the podcast that connects your brain to your brawn. Hi, this is Eric Fiorello, and I want to welcome you to Motivation and Muscle Streaming Radio 24-7. Today is the 13th of October, 2018, and this is another one of our early, early shows. I love them like this. You know, you're nice and fresh in the morning, and you're ready to rip. But as I was saying a couple shows back, you know, we've adopted the eagle and the lion in so many ways because the eagle is the king of the bird world, the sky, And the lion is the king of the jungle, the king of the land. Even though there's much bigger animals out there, the lion especially strikes fear in everything out in the woods, the jungle, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that's how we are. We are there. That's what we do. Um, Take a deep breath through your nose, out through your mouth, and repeat after me. I am a winner. I am a champion. And I am unstoppable. Why? That's how we think here. That's how you need to think. You need to not be the weak links out there in the world they want you to be. Go out, start a business. Go out and speak your mind. You know, be something out there. As my dad says, be a leader, not a follower. That's what it's all about. It's attitude. And here it's 100% attitude in the right direction, and we're with you, and you're with us, and we just keep on forging forward. Also, too, for a product that will definitely get you to where you want to go, go out to FiorellaBarbellCo.com, and uh, Winners and Champions, Inc. There's 14 modules on there that we've been doing here at the FBC Stone and Steel Yard. I don't know. We're probably going on 16 years here at least. Um, You don't need anything else. There is enough on just those 14 modules. If you start to practice, 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 you can become anything you want to be. But I will warn you, it's not some quick, you know, stopgap product where, oh, look at me. It's not like that. You want to be strong from head to toe. That's the way to do it. Go out there and check that out and purchase it. I promise you, you will love it. Also, too, we talk about prosperity consciousness. That is basically investing in FBC and M&M. There is a $25 investment, a $50 investment, and a $100 investment. What can I tell you? I know the notes I've gotten for years, and a lot of people have invested in us, and I thank you all. But I know there's a lot of people that are getting an awful lot from this show, and they could help in the investment of it. Um, We'll do it either way. But I'm just saying um, $25, break that down over 12 months. $50, break that down over 12 months. $100, break that down over 12 months. It's nothing. It's nothing. You probably spend that on coffee, if not more. Um That's what it's all about here. You're getting an awful lot. And I'll tell you right now, 
most of these big shows, they're charging you to get this type of material. I don't charge you a dime. What I'd like you to do is buy my product or invest in this show consistently. So go out there and look at all that and see if there's something there you would like to contribute because that's what it's about. Contribution because we contribute tons, believe me. Also, too, go out to motivationmuscle.com slash category slash podcast. Today, and I'll bring him in momentarily, we got Roger LaPointe on here. Now, Roger was the first guest I ever had on Motivation Muscle approximately over four years now. We celebrated four years at the end of September last month. So it's going to be interesting because we're going to, he knows I'm going to pose a question to him. Um, he's been here for the ride since the very beginning, so who better to talk to on Eminem? Um, also, too, sign up for our free newsletter on motivationmuscle.com. It goes right to my MailChimp account, and any content I put out, you will get. Also, too, as I said, investment. Come on in to motivationmuscle.com. Come on in and invest with advertising. We're going to be around for at least 30 more years. Let's start making some money for one another. Um, The rate is very, very um, fair. And the only way I will speak to you, at least initially, will be either by phone or if you live in my area, I will come and meet you face-to-face. So go out there. Also, our YouTube channel, um, Fiorella Barbell Company, Real Men, Real Strength, Real Power. And... A big thank you goes out to our pal, Steven Santangelo. Steven's got to be one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's an organic farmer down in Kentucky. He writes just incredible articles. He's been a guest on the show many, many times. And I started, he sent me um, his fall and winter formula. Um, It's absolutely incredible. And if you're any type of person under a lot of heat, meaning stress or whatever you want to uh, clarify it as, um, this stuff will make you unstoppable. Because in the winter, you basically want to take something that's going to create heat in the body. And I've taken this stuff for three days, and I can't tell you, my lungs, I'm I'm shooting stuff out, and I'm not going to get graphic that I have no idea where it's coming from. It's absolutely incredible, and it tastes incredible, and it's all of the product he grows on his farm. Um, go out to Facebook is the easiest way to get a hold of him. S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-A-N-T-A-N-G-E-L-O. Or you can go out to Primal Creations at AOL.com and order it. And make sure you tell him Motivation Muscle sent you because I know that he'll take care of you big time. He does for everybody. He's an incredible guy, and a big thanks goes out to him for his generosity. He and his wife, um, they're incredible people, and I thank him for everything, believe me. So, as I said, we've got Roger LaPointe coming in. Let me give you a little information on this gentleman. Number one, he's the president of Atomic Athletic, an Olympic lifter, and competitor, Stone lifter and strength historian, and we know he's also a writer for a newspaper in his area. But today, we're going to talk about millstones, which is going to be a hell of a show because um, Roger deals with millstones. I've bought a number of them from him. Um, They are just incredible. And as I said before, I love things that 
basically your body feels like it is lifted eons ago, meaning your DNA. And we're going to really thump on this pretty hard. So, Raj, welcome back. Um, obviously, as I said, uh, our first guest ever, and uh, it's an honor to have you back, sir. Ah, yes. Glad to be here. This is uh, – I always enjoy this show. You really do a good job with it, Eric. Thanks a lot, Raj. Um, anything I missed, uh, put it out there. And then I've got oh, a, I've got uh, a it, question it, for you. Among yeah, many. The, the, uh, the, the one thing that uh, I always try to tell people is uh, I've been a writer since day one. Uh, you know, when I was with York, I was writing for them. And uh, I've got more publications coming out, including the uh, Garage Gym Journal. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, uh, all strength training and it's, uh, yeah, it's the essence of strength training. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing. I'm very happy you're still in it because we we're just losing people left and right now. Yeah. And, um, well, go ahead. The obituaries are a little, uh, yeah, they're piling up. Yeah, yeah, it you know, uh it when Terry Todd went. Yep. That that hit me because uh for me, of course, uh Terry had always been there. Sure. And uh you know, I'd go to the uh old timers dinner and I'd always have breakfast with Terry. Yep. And it, you know, <laughs> I'd see him at the uh Arnold Classic, and, you know, that's kind of weird. Well, you know, we've lost a lot of them. We lost Al, and we lost Steve, and Charles, uh, was it last week? And um, they seem to be stacking up, literally, and I'm just glad that you're still doing it, and, you know, you're an old-school guy. You've been around a long time. You know, you've seen some major athletes through all the different incarnations of where you've been up to the point of um, atomic athletic. And, uh, you know, press on. That's all I can say to you because I'll tell you right now, um, that's what we're going to do here forever, among many other things, and I'm glad you're part of it. Um, The first question is, obviously, we've been up four years now, and we'll get right into millstones, everybody, but it's important. Roger, um, I've known Roger for a long time, from his days back in York where I met him, you know, verbally, obviously. I've never met him face-to-face. Yeah, which is a weird thing. We've got to rectify that. Well, we will, because, you know, once I can get very, um, uh, once I can get moving, you know what I'm doing, and um, there's going to be an awful lot of people I'm going to be meeting up with, and maybe, as I've said, you know, when we stand out in front of thousands of people, you know, obviously you'll be invited to come on stage and maybe we all meet at once. I don't know. But, you know, you've been here since the beginning. You've seen the evolution of the show, the evolution of me, um, obviously the evolution of you on here. What is your feelings on motivation muscle? I mean, we came from nothing, basically, and we've we've uh, we've snapped a big hole in the universe. Um What's your feeling on everything to date? Well, you know, the uh, I, I don't think of motivation and muscle probably the same way other people do because I, I look at it from 
almost a historical perspective, a, a, a media evolution, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, sitting on my desk here, I've got a, a copy of The Bodybuilder, yep. uh, which it's the August, I think, 1932 edition, uh, which was edited by George Jowett, mm-hmm. right? And you've got, it's basically a black and white text with illustrations type magazine. Uh, and yet there's a full color cover. That was a big deal mm-hmm. in 1930. You had a full sure. color cover. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, you know, Strength and Health had a two color, meaning it was black and white with either blue or red mm-hmm. on it. And these guys went with a full color cover. So, you know, today you've got things like podcasts instead of just a local radio show. Right. And what I see with motivation and muscle, especially with, it, you know, how long has uh, Milo been gone now? About a year. Uh, a year at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the evolution is digital. Yep. But, you know, I see motivation and muscle as, you know, the continuation of, uh, you know, the old strength and health yep. or Iron Man or modern perspective, Milo. Yeah. It's because... There is the desire out there, even though some of these topics like stone lifting, mm-hmm. in it, it's not unheard of like it was in, say, the mid-90s. Well, uh, Roger, not to interrupt you, I'll tell you right now, talking to Stevie Shanks and Charlie Oliphant and so many of them out there. Stone lifting literally is exploding in the world right now. You know, when you when you have uh, Lee Holland Keen, the second woman to ever lift the Denny Stones this year, um, Enzo, who is 63 years old, the oldest gentleman to ever lift the Denny Stones. I mean, it, the world's on fire here. And and I'll get right back to you. Is this? And I appreciate those compliments with the, with just the journals we you just spoke about with Eminem. What I feel right now is we are sitting in a position where we have a golden opportunity to not only spread old, middle ground, and newer stuff, but we have an opportunity to influence a whole new generation here that's never been influenced and really probably the last two or three generations probably have never really learned what physical culture is, and maybe got into a little bit, were never trained properly, maybe got hurt, maybe just gave up mentally, but you know what? You listen to us, and it's all over. You're going to, like, I'm looking at a show that you and I did. It was called Set Sail. Mm-hmm. Literally, we are setting sail in a voyage that is going to go a long, long time. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just felt that was really pertinent. But go ahead, take it away, my friend. Yeah, no, it, 
the reason I have this particular magazine in front of me is because there's an article in it which, you know, Bill Pearl told me years ago when I first met him at York Mm -hmm. that there's nothing new under the sun. Nope. And it's like, yeah, you're right. He said, you know, if you had one exercise to do, you know, squats, right, cleans and presses, something like that. The it, title of this article that I pulled up is, Are There Any New Exercises? <laughs> <laughs> so, 1932, yeah. they're asking, are there any new exercises? Yep. And, you know, the article talks about uh, different kinds of squats and lunges and things like that as the basis for everything. Mm-hmm. And I think about something like stone lifting and this is something that you know the Greeks were doing. Yeah. It, you've got record of Egyptians lifting stone balls in hieroglyphics. Mhm. It, it's <laughs> They, you know, it, and I occasionally will go to see what, you know, some cutting edge strength coach is pushing. And it, the other day I saw another guy standing on some rubber thing yeah. uh, with one foot and trying to do overhead presses and talking about how, you know, this hits the small muscles for your stability and, uh, control, and I thought, I'm not so concerned about small muscles and stability and control Right. if I'm trying to pick up a 200-pound millstone. Correct. I'm, I'm particularly interested in large muscles with lots of control. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, because, because for anyone's knowledge... I've talked about this before. I think I've, I've even done it on shows with Roger. Here's something that you want to be very concerned about when you are stepping on things. Now, I don't know if anybody still does it, but a few years back, um, those balls that you sat on, the big ones, um, a lot of people were sitting their butt on them and training. For the life of me, I don't know why people would do this, but we're going to get into this heavily. Everybody wants the current craze, and they think that's going to get them, you know, gigantic and strong. Well, there's a local gym here, and this guy who's a trainer, it's a big gym, too. Um, And I don't think he's a, uh, I I don't think he's uh, an unintelligent guy. But I do question anybody that does things like that. So, he's got this guy sitting on his stability ball. And I think he had like a pair of 60-pound dumbbells in each hand. And he had him pressing. Well, for some reason, the stability ball blew up. And this guy, think about that. 120 pounds over your head, extended, and your ass hits the ground. He got hurt pretty damn bad. He's lucky he didn't lose his head. But the point of the matter is this, as any of the greats, Grimmick, you know, you talk about, like, Reg Park, you talk about the hit, you know, um, Doug Hepburn, any of the greats, 
Chuck Ahearns. Uh, I was looking at some pictures of him yesterday, Raj. I know they said that he was one of the strangest guys ever, and he never took his shirt off. That dude was huge, man. I don't care what they say. Uh, unbelievable. But here's my point of the matter. Roger traced back to 1932, all right? And a guy like Bill Pearl saying, you know, and anybody else, what what are you looking for? What what new do you need out there to get big? And when I brought this idea of millstones to Roger, one of the reasons was years ago, I think they were over 200 pounds apiece. I bought a pair of millstones, and I bought another big millstone. I think to go to Iceland, the train with it was like 380 pounds. This thing, I'll take a picture of it if I don't have it out on my hard drive. This millstone is gigantic, but what I like about them is they're drilled out, so I can use the smaller of the three to lift with, and I and I can put an Olympic bar through it. it I, I got to tell you something. You know, we've talked about y- your DNA. Your um, there's just some things you naturally seem to be able to go after lift like. Let me tell you something. When you see those things on the ground or I have them raised up in a set of pole blocks or something, boy, I'll tell you, if if something didn't want to make you lift, um, I don't know what. I mean, you go up and you see those, you want to lift them. And I uh, use – go ahead, go ahead, go yeah, ahead. It, you know, in my backyard, I have four diff- – uh, actually, I've got five different stones in the backyard right now. Yep. Uh, one – is a piece of marble that was some kind of architectural thing Mm -hmm. that broke off that I found years ago. And I use it for grip strength training. Nice. um, Because it's roughly rectangular. Yep. I've never weighed it. I don't know what it weighs. But it's got to be about four inches thick. And I do one-handed things with it. Uh... I'm guessing it probably weighs 20 pounds, 25 pounds. Yep. And it's beautiful white marble, and I have no idea what it was originally for, but it's, like I said, it's basically rectangular-ish. And uh, maybe, I don't know, a foot long. Right. Uh, That's the small thing. Then I've got two grindstones, which are different than millstones. You know, a grindstone is what they, you know, in the like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right. You saw the guy sitting at a little treadle thing. Yep. And sharpening knives yep. on this rotating wheel. Yep. That's what these are. Yep. And the one weighs 35 pounds, and the other weighs 60. And... I'll do all kinds of uh, what I call bodybuilding exercises with them, which basically consists of curls and presses and deadlifts, Mm -hmm. one-handed or two-handed, and uh, one-handed pinch grip type work. Yep. Uh, And here's a little... Eric, you know I always like to throw in an unusual exercise sure. for people to do. So I quite literally learned this 
from one of the Shaolin monks in New York City. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and he showed it to me with a uh, stone padlock. Yep. Uh, but I now do it with all kinds of things. It, it's because why not? It's yeah. A great exercise. It, it, he called it levitating a stone. Okay. And what you do is it, imagine uh, it, you've got a uh, uh, barbell plate. Yep. And you pick it up in a pinch grip. It doesn't have to be super heavy. You know, it, a 10-pounder. Yep. Maybe a 20-pounder, something like that. I like to use one that's relatively flat. Yep. So, like, I've got a uh, Olympic York 10 kilo, which hardly has any markings on it, if you guys okay. have seen those. there, It's basically a flat disc with a small uh, uh, engraving lip. But, the, it, you know, unlike a lot of plates that have a rounded lip or something, yep. this is real flat, which is perfect. Um, bricks work real well for this, too. Uh, so you lift it up in front of you like you're doing a one-handed deadlift, like it's yep. a serious heavy lift. Yep. And then you grab it with the other hand while removing the hand that you just had, right? Yep. And then you pinch it with the back to your right hand and then back to your left and back to your right and back to your left. And you try to keep that plate or brick or whatever it is yep. in the same space in the air. Mm-hmm. But you move your hands faster and faster and faster until it looks like the plate is levitating. Yep. And what you'll find is the speed that you develop in your hands relative to the pinch grip. Yep. And not just your pinch grips, your forearms, but your biceps, your chest, and especially your shoulders mm-hmm. get a ton of work from this kind of movement. So any of you guys that are into martial arts or boxing or anything like that, it, you will instantly understand why a Shaolin monk would do <laughs> yeah. something like this. But it's a great warm-up yeah. for the rest of your lifting. Yep. It'll also toughen your hands. Yeah. Because grabbing that stone like that or a cast iron plate and moving it, it when you're when you finally set it down after a minute or two, mm-hmm. your hands will be beat red. Yep. Uh, because even with a cast iron plate, it's like sandpaper on your hands. And anything that toughens up your hands is good. That's you know, maintain it, use sandpaper condition them, all that sort of thing, but um, keep toughening up that skin because Definitely. that's very important for any serious strength stuff. And this goes back the this when I say the serious strength stuff, I'm not talking about oh you know I'm going to bench press a certain weight. Right. Yeah, that's important. What I mean by the serious strength stuff 
And it, some people might laugh because I go back to my first book I got for weightlifting, which was Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding. Yep. And it was the paperback version of his first edition. I've still got it. And it had kind of a uh, taupe or <laughs> off-white yeah. cover, yep. Yep. right? And I read that thing cover to cover, all, I don't know, 700 pages or whatever the darn thing mm-hmm. is. And there's one thing I specifically remember uh, towards – it was towards the back. He said, remember, and this is after going through all these different exercises, you know, and a whole encyclopedia of them. Stick with the basics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, and he said, and don't use gloves to lift because you never know when a buddy might need help moving a couch. Yeah. Um, And I thought – Wait a minute. Here he's got yeah. hundreds of pages of different exercises that you can do. Yep. And he he had, he also told a story about going in the woods and doing squats with Yeah, they used to, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I thought you know, I was what 17 at the time, maybe 16 and uh I thought man So you're lifting weights so that you can do work. And I thought, I thought it was to look good for the girls. Yeah, well, that was part of it, too. But, I mean, you want to be functional. Yeah. Right. But ultimately, you know, I'm thinking, so you lift the weights to be strong, to be able to do something. Mm Mm-hmm. Not to stand around and look pretty. And, it, you know, if that's the result, great. It, you know, that, that's that's a, you know, added benefit, I guess. But ultimately, you need to be able to do something yep. with it. And the stone lifting, the next thing that I go to is uh, – uh, depending on whether I'm lifting here at the warehouse or at home, I've got a pair of 80-pound, uh, I don't know if they're millstones or grindstones. I think they're grindstones. Mm-hmm. But they're in a real rough black and red uh, grainy type material. Yep. And I don't know what kind of stone this is, but... It is the roughest stone I have ever used, Uh, even though it's finished in a nice disc. And the hole in the center, which is a round hole, I think it's five inches in diameter, maybe six inches. That's big. That's a big hole. Yeah. And the disc itself is about, eh, I haven't measured it, but I'd say... About the size of a barbell plate, you know, like a 45-pounder. It's around 18 inches. Yeah, that's a Um, big plate. It is. 
But with that hole in the center being that big, I can grab that in the center by one hand. That's nasty. Let it rest on my forearms and do overhead presses with it. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, it's really satisfying. Yeah. That's (laughs) because it's not a dumbbell. It's not a barbell. It's not a kettlebell, although it sits on your forearm in a kettlebell-ish fashion, if you know what I mean. Um, And to get it there, I can either clean it from the center Mm -hmm. or – what I really like to do is grab it on the outside with both hands Yep. and do some curls yep. and then double presses because that gets the thumb work in there. Oh, yeah. Um, and that muscle between your index finger and your thumb yep. is absolutely key to real strength. You're not it's, kidding. You know, you want to tear a telephone book or scroll steel or do anything. That is really the foundation of your grip, except that I also point out the muscle on the other end of your hand that you can flex when you move your pinky around. Yep. That needs to be a big slab, too. Absolutely. And the uh, the thicker those slabs of muscle are on your hand, the... Uh, the more you're going to have success, like moving a couch. Yeah. Without, look, yeah. The, bo- <laughs> the bottom line is most people don't even talk about how important the thumb is to lift odd objects. All right? A lot of times when you can't lift them, if you have the power, it's because you got a weak thumb. That's the truth, folks. Um, it's very important, like Roger said, thumb and the muscle right at the end of your hand. That you want to make that thing huge if it's not already. Um, that and so many other factors are going to determine what you're going to lift and what you're not. Now, one of the things I remember reading with about millstones, especially, is um, they were constructed out of um, burstone, I believe it was. Um, that's how they make them. Um, and I've been looking at a lot of pictures the last few days getting ready for the show. You know, I've seen all these different millstone factories, you know, in Britain and all over the place. Um, one thing that really struck a note with me, Roger, was the way the 200 plus ones are all set up and they call it basically dressing a millstone. And I'll go right to you with this is this. The stones I got from Roger, they're, they're all sculptured like the, you would say, the inside of the stone, all around where the hole is where you would put the Olympic bar through. It's a beautiful stone. I've chipped them pretty bad. But what about dressing a millstone? I mean, you know, and we know a lot of these are used for decorative purposes. It's the same way with Atlas stones. Um, if you ever go and really take a good ride all through the country or anything like that, you're going to see a lot of these millstones on people's property. Same way with Atlas, too. But well, what about the patterning used, and all that? Yeah, the uh, the different patterns. Yeah. Uh, you know, millstones were used for grinding grain. Right. So uh, it, you 
actually you'd have a top stone and a bottom stone and they go against each other. Um, the, uh, Eric, I can barely hear you. Can you hear me now? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. okay. I was hoping there wasn't something wrong. No, no, no. We're good. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so there was a top stone and a bottom stone and depending on the philosophy of the miller, um, it, you know, and it, people wonder where, it, you know, the origins of language and things like that. I'm into words. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, when you see somebody whose last name is Miller, yeah, it's probably because they worked grinding grain at a mill. Somebody, yep. you know, great great grandfather or somebody uh, did that. Yep. Well, they still use millstones today to grind the grain that we use for our bread. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the it, you go to some of these really old uh, uh, mills, right? and you'll find them on the East Coast especially. There's a great one that I went to in Pennsylvania about 15 years ago uh, that's still working. Wow. With the uh, water wheel and all that. Yeah, kind of yep. Yep. And the uh, those millstones, and it, he had multiple millstones going in this old mill. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the water power would have a giant spindle going, mm-hmm. and you would see belts going off the spindle in all kinds of directions, all on the inside of the building. The building itself is the tool. Yeah. So you have these big leather belts in every direction in this uh, working mill. And he had things like uh, saw blades running off of it where, you know, it was, you know, he could cut wood in there. Sure. Uh, He could, he, he had a drill press that ran off of it. Uh, he had multiple millstones. And this was really key because, uh, it, you know, you'll see some of these millstones that might be the centerpiece of a sidewalk. Oh, yeah. You know, at like a junction of uh, the biggest one I've ever seen was the junction of eight sidewalks at a university. And I, it was a university in Pennsylvania, and I can't remember which one it was. Uh, yeah, but Raj, to have something that, I mean, think about just making a millstone like that. I mean, you've been to the factory, you've seen this stuff, but can you imagine yeah. the time that goes in to build something like that? And you know what else I like about this stuff? This is why I thought this was such a great topic, was it's kind of like everything now you see, especially in America, all these occupations that were once very prevalent, it's even like a shoemaker. You know, you, you don't see much of that anymore. That's why yeah. I like the whole idea of topic of millstones. But I want to I want to move into a couple other areas because I know we've got time coming shortly is this. Why, especially with Atomic Athletic, what made you 
want to bring millstones out and get the lifters lifting them. You know, obviously purchasing them too. But right. what got you? Well, I've never sold many millstones. Okay, but it, still. The millstones themselves, yep. as far as actual sales. Yeah. At my top year, maybe I sold a dozen yeah, in but, one year. Yeah, but what 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 made you want Obviously, we know you like to research stuff right. and write about it. But what got you to the point where you said, hey, look, I'm going to bring these out to the market regardless and see what happens? I mean, it's obviously all stone lifting, but you don't see millstones. I remember, do you remember back, it was probably in the 90s when they weren't millstones, but they called them Flintstones. You know, right. big stones drilled out, painted, and they were all deadlifting them and stuff. You know, similar, but not. So what got you motivated to start moving millstones like this? Uh, actually, I did a uh, – when I was a little kid, Yep. I, I had a book called The Mill, and nice. they uh, – it was all about an, it, it, a working mill. Yep. And you had all these line drawings in it on – the different things that the farmer did. And I remember this picture, and I don't know if it was in this book or some other book, because I started looking up things on millstones when I was sure. a kid because sure. of this book. And I saw this farmer rolling the mill, uh, a millstone into position, uh, and he was going to set it out like at, as his front porch. Yeah step yeah and it, that's a common thing you'll see at these mills they'll take the used millstones where you know you've got a mill a couple millstones yours have the deep cuts correct in them right yes all right when you see them as a sidewalk there might be little lines in them mm-hmm. well they started out with some kind of deep cuts like you have yours what at the deepest point might be what four inches? Yeah, probably that. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the little lines that you see in these, you can see them, but you more feel them with your fingers, where they might be a quarter inch deep. Well, they got that way because you had two stones grinding against, against each other, each with, other. Yep. Yep. with the meal in between. You know, you had the grain yep. right there. Yep. And the uh what struck me is the farmer was replacing his millstones. Yep. And I thought, holy cow, how is he getting this giant millstone? And it was huge. Like bigger than yours by a lot. Oh yeah. And it, as I've looked at millstones over the years because they fascinate me. Sure. Uh, it's not unusual for a mill to have a 2,000-pound millstone. That's unbelievable. Yeah. How did it get there in a horizontal position mounted on a wooden, giant wooden spindle? It got there because some big guys leveraged it into place yeah. by hand. Yeah. They they. No screwing around. When you've got a 2,000-pound hunk of rock, that thing gets away from you 
and somebody's going to lose fingers. Yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, it's, so it's a serious thing. But I saw he had this smaller millstone, this farmer, and he was setting it in like a bear hug position as a step. And I yeah. thought, that's real strength. Holy crap. How did he get that strong? We got that strong because he's a miller. Yeah. And it, he's lifting big sacks of grain every day. Mm-hmm. To sell them, and it, you know, he's f- probably not farming, but he could be. A lot of millers did because once you get the stuff planted, there's nothing to do until harvest time. Yep, with things that you just planted. But there's lots of work on the farm, and you never see a farmer that's old that isn't working hell yeah and that struck me too because it you know you go out there and see these different guys my uh grand my one grandpa had a small farm in northern michigan and it was he used to rent it out for cattle Mm -hmm. and we would do things on it everything you do on a farm is hard work yeah, it's all manual. Yeah. Everything. What, it, you, it, you know, whether you're carrying buckets of water. Yep. Or you're digging a ditch. Yep. Or, you know, you have to move some bricks because you're going to work on a wall, uh, you know, in a wheel with a wheelbarrow. Um, all of that's hard work. And the uh, the work never stops. It's, uh-uh got to happen so they you know you can take a break but the next day you're working again exactly i don't i think i'll tell you this when you talk about millstones just having them here mm -hmm. the constant work you know i don't know if people see a lot of um use in it but you know, I like to take things, whether they're millstones or atlas or whatever, and I love rolling them. I mean, pushing them forward, going for distance, coming back, because my driveway is not perfect at all. So the idea is it's going left, right on you, whatever. You stay with it unless it gets out of control. I just let it drop then because I'm not going to end up hurting myself. But what I'm saying is, you know, you made reference to it. Mm-hmm. Lifting them, moving them, rotating them, whatever it is. Even that rolling of them that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, you know, I always laugh when I've had somebody come here to the warehouse to get a stone ball or a millstone. Right, right. And uh, I'm rolling it out to their car for them. Uh Uh-huh. And I always do that. I don't let the person do it themselves. Right. And this goes back to the first time I lifted a uh, 220-pound or 100-kilo stone ball. Yep. And I may have told you this before, but the first one I did, and I was still living in Pennsylvania, uh, I, you know, 
two miles from York Barbell. Sure. And I was operating out of my garage, and I'd have the stones delivered from the stone cutter to me in crates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just have them set in my garage and I'd have to empty the crate if I was going to move it because I didn't have a forklift then. Right. I didn't have a pallet jack. Um, so <laughs> I, I had ordered this hundred kilo stone for this local guy from Perrysburg. He was a big guy. Yeah. Um, when I say a big guy, six foot four, 230 pounds, not any extra fat on him. He'd spent right. a lot of time bodybuilding, obviously. Yep. And uh, he liked the idea of a hundred kilo stone, a nice round number, right? No yep. pun intended. Um, but it was only 220 pounds. So it wasn't even his body weight. Right. And I was competing at that time as a 152 pound lifter. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big guy. I'm, you know, I'm five foot three and always between, you know, 150 and 170. So, uh, <laughs> that's still big enough, man. When you lift, <laughs> I like to think so. But, uh, so this guy sees his stone. He's like, Oh, great. He's got his pickup truck and he starts rolling it out to his pickup truck and on the pavement, you yeah. know, I, my driveway. And, he says, all right, well, how are we going to get this in my truck? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He says, well, and I, I was mystified. I was like, what do you mean? Yep. He says, well, you don't have a forklift. I said, no, I don't. You see my garage right here. There is no forklift here. And he says, well, how are we going to get it in my truck? I said, well, you're going to pick it up and put it in there. <laughs> and he says, well, okay. And he bends down to pick it up and it goes nowhere. Yeah. And when I say nowhere, you know what I mean by nowhere. I know. It, those. it, it, yep. it did not break off the ground. Yep. And his technique was completely terrible. And, you know, I'm surprised he didn't send one of his discs shooting into my window. Yeah. Um, yep. But. <laughs> no, I know. I know. He turns to me and he says, I don't think I'm going to be able to buy this from you. Ugh. And I said, no, you've already paid for it. And he says. No, I'm going to need my money back. I can't do anything with this. And I said, no, you're going with this right now. He was <laughs> like, how? And I went down in a perfect squat, right. bear hugged that beast, picked it up and put it in the back of his truck. Yep. And the biggest, the heaviest stone I had picked up at that point, as a stone ball, yeah, was a hundred and eighty pounder. Okay. So, in one lift, I added forty pounds. Yep. 
to my total. Yep. And he's like, oh, my God, how did you do that? I said, well, I had motivation. Yep. My motivation was I didn't want to give him his money back. Right. And it wasn't that I wouldn't have right. had we not been able to get in his vehicle and he couldn't take it. It was that I didn't want to, and here was my reason for suddenly learning how to dig deep in my subconscious, primitive brainstem type area where I said, all right, this is the real thing. Yeah. Right here. Yep. It's it's not some nice barbell with the weightlifting shoes and a beautiful platform and three judges right there. The the only judge was this piece of rock. Yeah. And it's an inanimate object and it was not going to become animated unless I did something with it. And that's well, and that's the whole thing with stones, millstones, all the stuff we're talking about today. Um, before well, we in the want... millstone thing, yeah, there, you know, the Basque guys have a different way of lifting. Uh, well, they have different shapes of stones. Sure. And the millstones, compared to the stone balls, mm-hmm. there are techniques that you can use with them. Mm-hmm. And it's leverage stuff, you know. So one of the things that I have to do, I, I picked, I got two uh, millstones uh, early last summer. I sent you a photo right, right. of one of them. And I still haven't weighed them. I don't want to know what they weigh. I don't care. No. It, it's, they're heavy as hell. Rolling them around is a serious effort. You've got the photo. Yep. I mean, does it look big? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. <laughs> look. The idea They're huge antique granite millstones with the square hole, and the square hole is traditional because with a round hole, which I would put in the ones that we cut for lifting. Yeah, the round hole is meant for a barbell to go through it. Absolutely. The square hole is meant so that you can turn it in the mill. So there's something, you know, you've got corners yep. right there for the uh, spindle to go through. Anyway, uh, I roll them around the yard. They lay flat normally. Yep. And if the grass is wet, I've got to put one foot on the other end of the stone. Mm. Otherwise, when I'm trying to leverage it up, it's going to just slide. Right? Sure. So I've got to get my fingers underneath it. I've got to pry the bugger up. And then I've got to bear hug it or somehow leverage it to move it. Yeah. And this thing, I I don't know what the diameter is on that thing. It's got to be, they've got to be 22, 24 inches, something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And five inches thick at least yeah those things are huge i mean they're just really really big uh 
to get them into my wife's SUV because uh, I bought them actually at a big garage sale. Yep. Guy had two of them sitting there, and uh, we negotiated and haggled for a price. And he says, so uh, how are we uh, going to get these out of here? <laughs> Should have left them. I was like, well, we're going to pick them up and put them in the truck. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I can't do that. And there was a guy walking by yep. in downtown Toledo where I bought them. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, I'll help you with that. That looks like fun. I said, you got it, man. That's the right attitude because we didn't want to screw up my wife's car. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the, the back tailgate. And, and I, I keep some carpet squares. Yep. in the back of my vehicle yep. because you know you never know when you might find a good stone. I'm right? with you. Yep. <laughs> so I've got these big carpet oh, squares yep. Yep. with the rubberized backs, you know, that cheap like commercial carpet. <laughs> sure. I, I keep them back there just in case I find a good stone. And, uh, it, you know, my stones in the backyard change. Yeah. I, you know, I'll find one, uh, you know, a natural one that looks nice and I really like it. And I'll have a buddy come by and be like, oh, this was really fun. I'll say, oh, that's a river stone. You can have it. What? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's all yours. Because, hey, you know, if you if you keep your eyes open, you can find things like that. Oh, and without that, a doubt. The hey, one um, that we used to ahead. use for throwing yeah. uh, came from the middle of the road uh, just outside my warehouse. Um. It was, it was a great stone, 110 pounds. Nice. And, you know, river stone, so it was nice and rounded, but it was more triangular-ish. Yep. Um, but we found it in the middle of the road. It must have fallen off the back of a truck or something. Absolutely. Well, you and, know what uh, it is, too? The smaller stones are great to train with, like you were talking about, you yes. know, moving it, um, squeezing it getting in position like you're going to lift it and and squeeze it against your body doing all like the preliminary stuff to build upon to eventually lift the stone and be successful that's and how you want I to warm up too well yeah and i that's my approach to everything now um yeah you, you obviously if you go to iceland uh you can warm up but pretty much you're going to have to be ready to lift 418 right off the ground but before we go here whether they're millstones, and that's what we're really concentrating on. Let's just say you have a few millstones, and you know you're just looking for a short program. Whether you want to work it into your weights, obviously your barbells, or you want to take and just get used to them on a separate day. What would you suggest? Just basic one or two movements. Whether we're walking with it. You know, uh, possibly doing step ups or just pulling it to the ground like you'd clean it and just bear hug it and hold it. What would you say would be the best way to get started um, and, and start to build upon that? So take it away. Uh, ultimately, and uh, what you want to be able to do with your millstone is pick it up and carry it. I agree. But the uh, because that's really satisfying mm-hmm. on a primitive level. Yep. It, you know that millstone's going to be around 
a lot longer than you and I are. Yeah. But I intend to leave some, you know, flesh yeah. on the millstone yeah. for, you know, some archaeologist to find yeah. in a thousand years. Yeah. But it's the – ultimately, you want to pick it up and carry it to some other place. But – the uh, the best training I think you can do with it uh-huh. is uh, like a front squat type movement. Yeah. You know, a bear hug front squat. And, uh, it, you know, if you've got lighter stones, doing some lunge type movements uh, are really fantastic. That, that bear hug, yeah. there's... That really uh, primal satisfaction of being able to bear hug the thing, and you are in control of it. Yep. And, of course, you've got to set it down afterwards, uh, which, you know, you can drop it or whatever, but ultimately you've got to be strong enough to be able to Get it to the ground without the thing flopping yeah. and breaking your leg. Yeah, exactly. Or your foot when yep. it falls, because that's that's an issue. Yep. Uh, they are they're a large disc. It it the things were made for an industrial agrarian purpose. Yep. And they you know. The different cuts in them may or may not help you lift it. Um, if you've got, you know, little broken edges, I've yep. sold a lot of antique millstones over the years uh, where, it, you know, it, my partner in the stone business gets these from China. Yeah. Um, not because they're uh, – of not having them in the United States, but because he had a source of these old millstones that were about the size that a person can lift. Right. Uh, You know, 100 pounds to 300 pound range. Mm -hmm. And they would have, what was really fascinating to me is I think many of these millstones were not turned by a water wheel. Okay. I think they were turned by hand. Yeah, that's incredible. And they would have a hole jammed in the outside perimeter, you know, mm-hmm. cut in the perimeter. Sure. Sometimes even with remnants of some piece of wood sticking out as a handle. Mm-hmm. So like the old Conan movie, the original one with Schwarzenegger. Yep, yep. Where the kid's like pushing it around in a circle. Yep. The giant millstone. Yep. They were clearly doing this with like a 200 pounder, which is not that big. Um, and if it was a top stone, you have a hole in it that's off center. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be a curved hole. Yep. To pour the grain in. So because you had two millstones stacked right Right. always in pairs 
Right. And you had to have, be able to pour the grain in somehow. So if it, it was a top stone, not only did you have a hole in the center, which may or may not be a hole at this point, because uh, some of them have had like a the remnants of an iron rod. Yep. Keeping the two together or a wooden piece in there. But these uh, uh, ones that were obviously turned by hand or maybe by donkey or something like that. Sure. Um, you'd have these different holes in the outside perimeter, which were really fantastic for grip. Yeah. You know, you could reach your fingers in these holes and use them for lifting. It is, you know, your finger lifting and it, they'd be only big enough for the biggest hole like that, that I ever saw. Maybe you could fit three fingers in, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, one finger lifts on something like that. Yep. Absolutely tremendous. You, know, you get your hand on the outside edge, put one finger in there, pry it up, and do your one finger work with, you know, your index finger, then your middle finger, your, you know, your thumbs. It, it's it's really it's great. endless. Well, you know something. If there's anything, we'll, I'll have you summarize everything in a moment, but. If there's anything and everything that people take away from this show is this. A millstone, whether you're going to work fingers, you know, obviously grip we're talking about. And then obviously, you know, we talked about a few movements to do, but I still believe with a millstone or anything like that, learn how to bear hug, clean it off the ground, and take it for a walk. Now, one thing I want to mention quickly, and we'll have Roger summarize and give out his information, is this. You don't necessarily have to rip it off the ground every time, okay? Um, what I like to do here, you know, I have different uh, heights of lifting blocks. Now, maybe on that lifting block, say you're going to walk at 50 feet. We'll just go with that. And you get down to where you are with your first millstone, and you have your second millstone sitting right on the block. Why do you do this? Well, if you don't have a lot of experience with it, or obviously like Roger, myself, so many other people here, you know, you're deadlifting, you're bent rowing, you're doing so many different things, whether it's the one-arm stuff, that you put an awful lot of load on your lower back. Now, is that good, bad, or, or in between? Well, You've got to figure out what you're doing and what you're going to give and take with. The reason why I do that is this. I'd like to maybe go a little bit longer or maybe my lower back is sore from two days ago. Well, so I put it down on the ground, the first millstone, the second one I pull off a block. So it's a little bit higher, less drag on the lower back, and I come back with that. Now maybe I want to run that a few times. It's a good way to do things and still progress with a bigger stone down the road. You have to train smart people. If you're going to sit there and try to dog the same stone off the ground, yeah, you can do that, but you might not get much further, and you might end up doing something to your lower back. Like Roger said, I expect that guy to shoot a disc and hit my window. There's a lot of validity, oh, yeah. to, you know, there's a lot of validity to that. So when you lift these big, immense things, no matter if it's a 100-pound millstone, a 200, 300, 400, whatever, 
Use your head. So, Roger, summarize everything. Give out your website. I'll give out my info and hang on the line, please. Yeah, you know, here at the warehouse, I've got, I've got a barrel. I've got, I've got a bunch of different crates that I'll set things on uh, for doing that type of thing. I've got an old chair, uh, and say, no, what you're talking about, the training aspect of it, is definitely a good way to go. That's, uh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm, see, (laughs) it's Saturday morning. Yeah. When we're done right here. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do some stone lifting in the backyard when I watch the mist come there, off the grass. There you go. It, it, because that's, to me, that, that, that'll that make my day. Yep. It, it's, it's really fantastic. It's, it's probably 50 degrees outside right now. Uh, it rained all night. So yep. we'll see. The stones might be a little slick, but I'm going to do it anyway. They're a little heavier, too, when the rain hits them all night. Well, Just a little yeah. Bit. Yeah, it, you know, you've you've got that. Um, that couple ounces might make the difference. You know, I'll have to get my little micro plates to. Uh, hey, look, well, I haven't yeah, even I'm, got I'm, it right. I haven't even I haven't even got into the loading pin stuff I do <laughs> with the center of the millstone. So that's a whole other thing. But uh, give out everything, brother. Yeah. So uh, my name's Roger Lapointe, and. Uh, the, uh, the publication that, uh, we're doing and, uh, it's, you're going to start seeing those on, uh, uh, Amazon is, uh, in fact, you can get the, uh, classic York abdominal course from us, uh, on Amazon. That was my test Mm -hmm. piece, but is the, uh, garage gym journal. Got a whole bunch of them that are about ready to get thrown right up on there. Nice. Uh, back issues, and then we're going to start doing the new issues that way. Um, but it's uh, it, the company that uh, you know I've done for years is AtomicAthletic.com. Um, but it, you know, it's the publications that you really want to look at, yep. and because that it's the information that you need, the knowledge, yep. Yep. and nothing beats. A, genuine piece of printed literature that you can lay down in bed, read, make notes on, hum and haw over, all that kind of thing. Yeah. So there we go. And uh, like I said, squats, bear hugs, yep. you know, that's serious big back work right there. Uh, that It's going to make your legs strong. And uh, I guarantee you, if you do millstone lifting, all those small little stability muscles mm-hmm. will get some work. Well, and one of the reasons why we talked about all this, too, is because this show is going to go up on Etched in Stone for kids. Um, this is just a primer for the kids. Um, obviously, you would have to get small stones, but we substitute a lot of stuff with sandbags to have you grow into it. This is one of the prime things, especially in 2019. We've got some products on the way. Um, This is essential. So what Roger and I did today, obviously, to educate everyone out there, especially now, we want to get children into this stuff more and more. You know, you look at Charlie Oliphant with the Ard Blair Stones. um, It's very important. And between Roger – go ahead. Eric, 
I had forgotten that you were uh, talking about the kids. Yeah. So when uh, when I was a kid, you know, we'd go up to my grandpa's farm. He had what was called a stone boat. Yep. And basically, it was a big wooden sled that would be towed behind the uh, tractor. Yep. You know, he had old, like, 1950 John Deere, uh, big yellow wheels. Yep. And uh, you've seen them. It's classic. Sure. Uh, but my uh, ex-wife did the same thing when she was a little kid. They would give her uh, a nickel a stone yeah. to throw them on the stone boat because, every, it, you know, it, farms, when the ground freezes, stones get squeezed out and pop up. Yep. And the stones will destroy your agricultural tilling equipment. Uh-huh. Uh, and so when you see these stones that are lining a field in kind of a rough pile, but in big lines yeah. that go on the perimeter. Yep. Those are the stones that came out of the field that were removed. Yep. Well, you'd have every little kid in the family who's big enough to walk picking up stones yep. and throwing them in the stone boat for a couple hours in the morning. Yep. And, it, you know, you cannot tell me that even if it's just a softball-sized stone – but a little kid yep. is picking up one after another after another for three hours in a morning. Yep. That that kid is not getting tough and strong, and is going to want to go back home and probably have a big omelet and some bacon and uh, heck, maybe even coffee or milk to go with it. That's, That's good stuff right yeah, there. Yeah. That's a morning. Yep. And uh, it you know. The grip strength involved, the forearms, the back, the shoulders, the legs, the feet, everything. That's it right there. That That's some that, – that's going to make a good farm boy, wrestler, uh, football player, whatever. Highland uh, Games for sure Highland with that games. stuff. Stole, yeah. 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 A thrower. Yep. Uh, even a sprinter, it, you know – the ex-wife was not just a weightlifter, but a tennis player. Uh, it, you know, all of that is foundational stuff. It's going to build strong bones and tendons. Not uh, only that, not only that, it gives a lot of people that don't have, especially young kids, it teaches you courage. And when you got yeah. courage, you can do anything. And I see this just with my own. Um, it's incredible. Uh, anything else you got, brother? Uh, I think that's plenty for people to work on. You're not on. kidding, man. We, get, <laughs> we gave an hour and 38 minutes, but I love doing this, oh, and uh, it's good, good stuff, let me tell you. Um, one thing I say all the time, too, and it's no joke, is this is like a massage for your cranium. And if you don't know what your cranium is, I would say go look it up. But it massages your uh, subconscious mind. And when you're getting this type of teaching and thought, there's no way you're not going to go to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. The problem is now people aren't taught to think anymore. They're just taught to follow. That's why you never hear anybody say in school, 
Go out and be an entrepreneur. No. Go out and get employed. Okay? Let's see where you are in 25 years after that. Think about these things. It's very, very important. This is Motivation Muscle Streaming Radio 24-7. If there's a show you like Roger and I to do, Fiorello Barbell at NICAP.RR.com. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a five-star review. We are on Spotify now, and we are on Google Podcast Directory. Don't forget about, too, getting uh, Eminem in your car 24-7, AHA Directory. It's pronounced AHA. If someone seeks you out in the gym or the concrete jungle, never be afraid to give them five words of inspiration. It can change your life forever. Believe me, I see it more and more all the time. I listen to people out in public, or you hear stuff on the radio or whatever. It, it, it To me, it's some scary stuff people are listening to and bringing into their subconscious mind. Your subconscious records all the time, folks. Think about what you're saying and what you're listening to all the time. It could be either enhancing your life or what putting you basically in a ditch, literally. If you wonder why you're not feeling well, if you wonder why you hate the world and everything in it, I would look at what you're listening to and what you're thinking. Also, too, um, as my mom said when we were kids, never be afraid to say hello to someone or give them a, a smile for that day. That might be all they get. If you're going to lift it, bend it, break it, twist it, pull it, press it, squat it, if you're going to lift stones, turn them into dust. And the great Hoosa Steel Stone Crusher in blood red says, Domination, we are domination. We clear cut the path. We don't follow it. Dominate, obliterate, and dent everything in your path. No one will ever clip our balls. And as Russell Fur says when he listens to Eminem, when I listen to your shows, I swear there's testosterone dripping out of my speakers. It's more like a tidal wave, brother. And it's going to get higher, higher, and higher. Frank Klein, my greatest business college professor. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Winners never quit. Quitters never win. My dad, be a leader, not a follower. Be a leader, not a follower. John Ridge, my greatest chiropractor ever, would walk every patient to the door and say, keep smiling. Try that. No, better yet, don't try. Do it. I guarantee you, you'll feel better than ever, no matter what's going on in your life. Keep smiling. Um, be a steward of strength. Don't stand on the side of the road and watch the world go by. Tell a hundred more of your friends we're coming, because we won't kick your door and we'll blow the roof off your house. Stay with us. We need you, and you need us for the next 30 years. Les Brown, you all have greatness in you. We take it two steps further. We believe in you, and we got your back. And how many people would ever say that in today's world? I don't think too many. And before I sign off with Roger, I've been reading this, and this is another fallen warrior hero. It's out of uh, of Stones of Strength, the late Steve Jack and the late Peter Martin, and it's about the inverse stone. It's a poem he wrote. Rest while you can. Enjoy each night you sleep in the mud. Cherish the blanket of highland grass. That until now has kept you warm and safe. For in a couple of moons I'll be calling Steve Jack. To me, metaphorically, that's about life. We talked about millstones today. We just talked about the inver. Stones have a very special place in our lives. 
And it's going to be Roger and myself and many others that are going to teach you about it. Because the first time you touch a stone, you're going to feel like a primal being. It's no bull. And that's what we want to educate and keep spreading. So, you all have greatness in you. You are all winners and champions. And you are all unstoppable. And if you hang around with people that put you down and tell you you're nothing, you need to say goodbye. If you want to get ahead, maybe someday you want to take a stone voyage. Maybe you just want to go to a river and get some. Or order a few millstones from Roger. This is your opportunity, folks. Roger, thanks for being on. Thanks for four years, and it was always an honor, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So, for Roger LaPointe, this is Eric Fiorello. You got one hell of a show today to listen to. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening to Motivation & Muscle, the podcast that connected your brain to your brawn. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.